What's up, wrestling fans? Ah, it is that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. That is right, it is now time for 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607 T. W.S. And we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here on 607 TWS, but I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot chair as he does each and every week. But you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? That's right. We're talking pro wrestling. The other day, we were talking some Halloween ends. Because if you guys haven't checked it out already, Ken M. was on the 3FN Podcast. Yes, I was. For the Halloween ends review. And depending upon when you hear this, it's either already out or just about to come out. So Because they're coming out on the same day for once. Yes. Since uh, because busy scheduling and work schedules, we ended up recording on a Monday night after I was done with the 3FN Podcast. Although we recorded the uh, Halloween ends review on Saturday of this week. So kind of piecing shit together. Yes. So a lot of stuff going on. Lots of work together to, uh, to this week. Got in the 3FN podcast, now 607TWS. Hopefully it's a better week here than it was for Halloween ends. <laughs> I mean, yes. financially, it was a great week for Halloween ends. Well, we don't have a marching band. $41.3 so. million dollars really? in the box that was, office. That was the final one? Yep, number, number one. So there you go. Wow. However, critics and fans still hate it. Yes. <laughs> the critic, the, the fan score dropped by three, so I think they're down to 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the critic score actually rose by one to 40%. And that's so interesting. Still, still, still not good. <laughs> well, it's all the power of the marching band. And if you'll read the internet, you'll, you'll find out why. But yes. I digress. If you want to hear more about that, go over to 3FN Podcast, check it out, check out the review of Halloween Ends featuring our good friend Ken M from the ODPH and also 607TWS. Uh, it's a fun time. Yes, it's a fun indeed. review. It was a, it was a, good, a good time. Review. Well, we're not here to talk about that, though. We are here to talk about some pro grappling. And uh, this week, we're only going to have like two segments. It's been a slow pro wrestling week, believe it or not. Yeah, it's something, obviously, everybody's gearing up for the fall run here. But it has been a little quiet, except for a couple of news and notes here and there. But you know there is still news to be said, though. Listen, I'm okay with a slow, slow week. Yeah. I've been super busy on other things. You know, we we went to see Terrifier too. Uh, we just recorded a review for that that'll be coming out on Friday on the second episode of the Three FN Horror Show. It is on the Three FN Podcast Network. It's a little side project we're doing over there to do some horror movie reviews, older movies and such. So we've got a lot going on, uh, Patreon stuff and everything else. I, I know that Ken M put some Patreon stuff up for the patrons over at the ODPH Podcast. Yes, did a special review. Uh, kind of hearing from the ODPH Society saying about doing some more comic coverage. Did a little deep dive on the brand new Dan Slott Mark Bagley Spider-Man comic that just came out. Yeah, well, you know, 
know what? Let's, let's just uh, jump right into it. How do the fine folks find that Patreon? But more importantly, how do they find the ODPH podcast as a whole? Well, very simply, you swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. You join in the conversation right there on the front page. The T Public link is there if you want to get some swag. The Patreon, like Rich was alluding to, you can sign up right there. One tier, $2, and a lot of content on the way. The social media links. The Parlay Points block section, which has a brand new blocks count anywhere. Talking NWA Hard Times 3 coming up in November. MLW Fightland, more AEW uh, talk to, going on. A lot of stuff is going on, so that's why we always say if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And of course, if you're trying to find the 3FN Podcast, it's simple, 3FNpodcast.com. There you can check out our Patreon link, uh, patreon.com slash 3FNpodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, help support the show and everything else. Also, while you're there, you can check out the T Public link. You can check out all our social media links. Friends of the show like the ODPH, there's a section for 607 TWS and the 3FN podcast right there on the website. Also, the local sponsors, which include our good friends at Dragon Master Games, who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios. And by the way, if you need uh, any Magic the Gathering or gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com, as they are the sponsor for not just the 3FN podcast, but also the main sponsor for 607 TWS. And on top of all of that, there's the musical directory where you can check out all the great bands who allow us to use their music copyright free. Special shout outs in this case to Floodlands. Their song Ruins is the song that you hear each and every week here on 607 TWS in the open. That's the theme song for the show. So big shout outs to Floodlands and check out all the other great bands in the directory as well. And make sure you're following them on Spotify, YouTube Music and Bandcamp. Well, Ken M, let's talk about what's going to come up on the show here momentarily. First of all, uh, we have the soundboard back. That's the most yes. important thing. Uh, you know, the, I have a charger. We're in the 8122 Production Studios. It's all good. So you guys are going to get all your stuff back. That's the first announcement. Secondly, it's going to be a two-segment show. In the second half of this show, the main event, we're going to talk about the huge Bray Wyatt promo from... This uh, past week's SmackDown, of course, we talked about Raw last week's show because we recorded later in the week. This week, we are going to talk about the SmackDown promo. That's pretty much all that I've got out of the WWE land, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to continue that drama between Ariel Hawani, AEW, Brian Alvarez, and then there's some other news that we have to talk about all the wrestling as well. I never thought we'd be putting Ariel Hawani in this kind of position, but here we are. He's owning shit, by the yes, way. Yes, he We're is. We're going to talk all about that and the main event. And uh, But before then, in the opening contest, you are going to hear, and I know there's going to be a big sigh from some of you, Game Changer Wrestling. But you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. We're going to jump right in. But let's just say they've had a huge week, and I'm not just talking about for Game Changer Wrestling. There's implications with AAA and All Elite Wrestling, and that mm -hmm. is what we're going to focus on. But you know what? Why, why wait, Ken? Because... It's time! That's right, it's time to kick the show off proper. It is now time for the opening contest. And like I said, we're talking some game changer re wrestling this past weekend. Triple A. Wow. The biggest, the biggest company in Mexico, the mm. biggest Lucha Libre country, had their biggest show of the year, Triple Mania, the last Triple Mania. Technically, they have Triple Manias every so often, but this is the big show. Right. This is the show where we got to see uh, a very bloodied Pentagon Junior. Right. Yes, in Triple A, he's Pentagon Junior. God, that, that, that photo that's going around the internet. Mask versus mask match. He still has his mask. They do it at every big Triple Mania. Mm -hmm. Of course, the main event of the evening, though, is what a lot of people were looking forward to, and that was Ray Phoenix challenging Vikingo for the 
a a triple a world championship essentially mm-hmm. so at the end of the day el hijo vikingo is still your champion but that wasn't the big story coming out and that's not the big story coming from game changer wrestling because after that match during a press conference vikingo was jumped by alex Colon, the bad boy joey janella and Gringo Loco, all sporting GCW shirts, mm-hmm. and beating, giving the beat down to the AAA World Champion. Thoughts about that, Ken? Did not see this coming, but if you're not on board and acknowledging that GCW is the true number three company right now, is the biggest independent on the planet, and they are making game-changing moves, no pun intended, for them to do an invasion with AAA... This is huge. That was very interesting to me. I did not expect that. When I saw the highlights, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Where did, Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely, where is this coming from? And I was just, just shocked. I still am. I can't even get the words out. That's I still am. And this is removed. That happened on Saturday. This is Monday. I'm still like, what the fuck just happened? Exactly, because... GCW has been making so many moves lately. Like they had the tour over in Japan, which went over very well. They went over to England. Like I say, for being the number three in the States, I need to clarify myself. They have been really setting the bar very high. But for them to do a literal sneak attack move and do an invasion angle with AAA, I don't think people have really grasped about how huge this is for an independent company to really make this jump with one of the, you touched upon the biggest promotion in Mexico. This is huge. And if you want to talk forbidden door, can you imagine some of the matches we can be having right now? Absolutely. But I'm glad you mentioned forbidden door because AAA has already opened that forbidden door. Mm-hmm. AAA has been doing business with all elite wrestling now for a few years. As a matter of fact, the FTR who yes, still are contracted to all elite wrestling. Despite the fact we never see them on television, they are the reigning AAA World Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. And they won those belts and have defended them in AEW. I thought we've had a very good uh, partnership, if you will, between AEW and AAA. However, this is a weird uh, let-in because there is some friction, taking us to the other part of the news here, between GCW and All Elite Wrestling. Yes. And it's a lot based in real life, a lot based in, uh, what did you call the AEW fans that are freaking out about things? I believe it came from Ariel Hawani himself calling them Freakazoids. Yes, he did. So the Ariel Hawani named Freakazoids, which we'll talk about in the second part of the show. Anyways, they have been going out of their way to say that AEW, or sorry, GCW, I digress, has some kind of weird working relationship with World Wrestling Entertainment that nobody knows except for... Allegedly, AEW office, because I do believe Tony Khan believes this, and also the fans. It's a really weird world. And why I think that Tony Khan believes this is there is a new edict. We we pointed out that when uh, John Moxley mm-hmm. signed his new AEW deal, he's only allowed to wrestle for New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling. Correct. And there was a big rumor that Tony Khan and company tried to pull him from the GCW Fight Club show to drop the title to Nick Gage. It was alluded to and also said very bluntly by the man, the king, the, king, the god of this shit, Nick Gage, at the end of the match where he said that other shit promotion didn't want you to be here today. Very poignant words from the king. Mm-hmm. So I give that a little bit of truth. Well, the edict has gone further. Now it is saying, now they're saying that no AEW talent is allowed to work GCW shows. 
The exception to this rule seems to be Nick Wayne, but that's also because Nick Wayne's contract doesn't kick in until he's 18. It's basically a letter of intent at this point in juncture right. for college you know, sports rules. Do you think that that edict is real? I, I'm pretty sure it is because of what's going on, but do you think the edict's real? And do you think that there's some smoke to the fire? I think there's 100% smoke to that fire. I think that edict is real enough that we're now hearing that this is coming out, and I think the John Moxley situation is the biggest indication of it. For Nick Gage to cut what he did after the Fight Club uh, match, that was telling because that really kind of came out of nowhere. And then as we're hearing about Moxley's new deal, and it's very explicit about where he can work, this is very telling for them moving forward. And I think that this has been something that maybe has been building for a little while that GCW, like we've touched upon here many times, is filled in the ECW role of the big three from the from the Monday Night Wars of the 90s. And if you're talking about like how the promotions were going at it, GCW has been forging their own path. They haven't really been following anybody. They do their own thing. And I think that for AEW, it's been a little buyer's remorse that they're what they want to be. And it hasn't come across for whatever reason. And I think there's been a little bitter backlash going towards it. And then obviously, with the events that happened at Fight Club, I think there's more to it. And if it's true about the edict, my only other question is, does this imply for Ring of Honor talent? Because we know, for Blake, like for example, Blake Christian always wrestles for GCW. Is he now not going to be on shows? This is a situation we got to watch moving forward. But I fully believe there's some smoke to this. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that he is upset that he doesn't get the buzz that GCW does, mm-hmm. which sounds weird because he's on national television. They're they're considered the second largest wrestling company in the United States of America. You know, they're considered competition to WWE, uh, you know, it, but yet he's jealous of some small independent company. And I mean, they're a large independent company. They're making moves, but they're still not in 10,000 seat arenas. They're still not on television, which I don't know how you do a GCW TV deal, but you, you never know, right? Yeah. And I just think it's weird that this is the, you know, maybe this is a a fight he thinks he can win. Maybe it's like, oh, shit, I'm losing to WWE. Triple H is literally kicking my ass at every avenue that I used to beat WWE's ass in or, you know, look that way, you know, the looks of. And now I have to pick on somebody smaller than me to make me look big. And I think it's a really weird flex. And yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels that way. And we've known that these cracks have been there for a while. Mm. Because remember, it came out when uh, somebody, Joey Janela was very upset that Sonny Kiss is not being used. But yet being in the commercials, we mentioned it as well, for uh, Gay Pride Month. And Mm -hmm. he was like, hey, how about you put Sonny Kiss on television? Mm -hmm. Like instead of just a commercial, how about we see Sonny Kiss? And you know... Basically, fans attacked Joey Janela and said, well, then why don't you book him for GCW? And he goes, as a matter of fact, we tried, but AEW stopped that from happening. Ask them why. Right. And we've heard that a few other times previously, but now it seems that there's a major edict that none of their talent is allowed to work there. Well, I think you have to take it back a little uh, in that same time frame when Moxley came out on, G- on AEW television wearing the GCW sweatshirt. I And how much buzz that caused. And originally wanted to bring the belt on TV? Yep. And I think that the problem there is for what AEW might have thought they were going to be, it just hasn't came into that direction. Like, they've gone in their own path. But I think for what the original edict was from them about being the new alternative, you know, remember way back when in the press conference in Jacksonville, you know, we're going to be the new alternative. It just hasn't gone that route. And I think the buzz that they expected to keep keep having all these years has kind of faded away a little bit. And I think GCW has stolen some of that thunder by just putting on a better product. Well, I think that there's... Uh... 
here's the thing. I really do believe, and we said a, a while ago, eventually they wouldn't be the bell of the ball, and eventually people would start judging them as other places, and that's begun to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're now seeing that the websites and the dirt sheets and the YouTube channels and the commentators of wrestling that were super over the top forgiving of AEW and cheerleading for AEW have now turned. And that's because the tide has turned. You have to remember, we've said it on the show all the time. And it has, you know, it does have some, in my opinion, it does have something to do with the quality of, of work we're seeing from AEW right now, which mm-hmm. has dropped in my opinion. And if you don't believe that, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. We always say that on the show that, you know, art is subjective mm-hmm. and wrestling is art. So it's subjective. If, if you don't like it, if you think they're doing great, whatever, you know, it's just everybody's. But I think that the quality has dipped a little bit. That's just my personal opinion. And then with all the personal stuff that we have to talk about ad nauseum every week, instead of talking about like wrestling things, he, you know, we end up in this boat. Yeah. Now, turning that into what the internet's thinking, and like we've said before, all of these sites, all of these channels, all of these commentators, they're making money off of clicks. They're making money off of you clicking their website or clicking that YouTube video or clicking on that article or whatever. They're making money off of you joining their Patreons. They're making money off these things. And when AEW was in a position where fans thought it was the best thing since sliced bread, more people were clicking to see the information. Now, with Triple H in charge of WWE, it's kind of changed. WWE has once again reclaimed its spot. The internet fans, not all of them, but a lot of them have now come back around. Oh, my God. There's And you hear it all the time. There's nothing Triple H can do wrong. Mm. And, I mean, there's there is things he's oh, done there wrong, is, and there's yeah. going to be things he does wrong. But, once again, the momentum and perception is that WWE has turned a corner, and we're in a new age of world wrestling entertainment. So, now to stay ahead of the curve and for those people to make money they have to flip the script and they now have to talk up wwe and provide more wwe content to make that same money does that make sense yes so it doesn't the bad part about these people is a lot of times you never get their honest opinion and that's what we've worn for years but the perception is reality to the casual wrestling fan and to the wrestling fan who's not tribalistic and they went from seeing AEW everywhere and excited to see AEW shows to now seeing WWE listed everywhere and now they're favorable to that and they're coming back and the reason we know is that the ratings are up the YouTube clicks are up for WWE and the YouTube clicks and the ratings are down for AEW mm-hmm. not by a lot because AEW has this niche of 900,000 about. Yeah. 950,000. They dip over a million a couple times. They'll dip back down. They really haven't fell, fallen below 900,000 for the most part. Yeah. I was going to say it's only been few and fleeting there. Right. So that's where they're kind of at. And it's it's become the word is stagnant yes. <laughs> as far as ratings. But once again, as a wrestling fan and on this show, why we don't always, we only use the ratings to justify where something is because you only have certain qualifiers. You can only talk about how much money a place is making or how the ratings are or what the audience looks like or how many tickets they're selling. Those are real life numbers to quantify how effective a company is. However, as a wrestling fan, the reason why we don't pound those numbers all the time like some do is I don't get paid ad revenue from them. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what they're at. I just care about the product. And right now, uh, in my own eyes, which I watch way more indie wrestling in New Japan than I do anything here in the States, but I am now tuning into WWE products 
more because I'm finding the television to be compelling and I still am tuning into dynamite. However, every time I tune in, it's like a match or two that are good. There's way too many backstage segments. The promo segments are kind of, you know, depending upon who it is, but 90%, I would say 90% of the promo segments are bad because people don't know how to talk on the mic there. The other 10% are real good. Mm -hmm. You know, they have gotten a little better at storytelling, but then, you, you know, one of the big things I know that hit this week, and we, we don't have to talk about it now, we we'll talk about it here, is that like since we had this really awesome feud between Hobbs and Starks, now all of a sudden they're fucking gone. Yeah, they're disappeared again, and that seems to be the thing in AEW. Is maybe it's because they don't have enough TV time. Maybe it's not. It's because of you know I don't know what it's because, but well, it, it seems to be they don't ever stick to a direction long enough for you to sink your teeth in. Well, I think one problem is right now with AEW, and this has been something I've been seeing on a lot of wrestling fans' pages. I've seen a lot of wrestling journalists talk about this as well. They have an influx of Ring of Honor talent and belts being defended on their programming. If it's supposed to be a separate show, what they got to do is get better about putting Ring of Honor. Just put them on Friday nights and Rampage. Let it be Ring of Honor, Rampage. Keep Dynamite as Dynamite, and then just have your AEW exclusive wrestlers there. Your Ring of Honor talent just on Friday nights. But when you're kind of mixing and matching and you're promoting the different belts, yeah, people are getting lost in the shuffle. And this is one thing that we've always talked about. When you keep signing talent to the roster, somebody's getting lost in the cracks. You need to be better about fine-tuning who's where and doing what because you just had this Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs feud, which was great, but now where is everybody? Oh, they're cooling off again. And I want to I say this. I don't think it's a smart business move with the Ring of Honor stuff either. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I don't think it's a smart business move is because, and this is coming from somebody who has loved Ring of Honor. I loved Ring of Honor back in the day. You know, I was a longtime Honor oh, Club yeah. member. I, I've I had it for years. I, I loved the product. I worked. Uh, I was blessed to work in Ring of Honor a few times in the back. Also, I'm a former Ring of Honor World Champion. We'll talk about that story some other day because I know so many people brought it up when I mentioned it in passing before. Mm-hmm. The, the fact of the matter is this. Ring of Honor was never a solid number two because they weren't drawing the numbers. They weren't drawing the audience. And when they bought, you know, that's why Ring of Honor was for sale ultimately. And Tony Khan, to my, in my opinion, overpaid for it because I know what they wanted from WWE. When Triple H and WWE, and this is before Triple H took over, were trying to buy Ring of Honor in their tape library, the price that they had hit WWE with was right around the $40 million mark. Right. And I do believe WWE talked them down to 30, or the, the WWE wanted it for like right around 20 or some shit like that, but they would only drop down to like 30 to 35 million. That's what everybody is saying around they had anything to know about it. Mm-hmm. So that means Tony at the very least paid $30 million for a company that didn't have TV, didn't have like a system. You know, what are you paying? That wasn't making that money. That's why it was sold. Right. And nothing again. Once again, I love Ring of Honor and I love the work that went into Ring of Honor, but that doesn't mean it was viable. And now people are fans of all elite wrestling. They're fans of AEW, those three letters. So when you put Ring of Honor on, your AEW fans weren't fans of Ring of Honor necessarily. There's a good portion of your audience that does not care. And I know some diehard AEW fans, or as Ariel Hawani would call them, freakazoids, Mm -hmm. who even are like, fuck this, I don't care about Ring of Honor, I care about AEW. And why are our people taking a backseat on our own programming to this little thing from Tony? Once again, Tony, it goes back to Tony being an ECW mark. And this, we're going to bring it back to GCW here in a second. But it goes back to him being an ECW mark. Because Ring of Honor is what took over for ECW. Some say CZW, but CZW never had the draw. Ring of Honor 
was the was the banner that everybody went to after it came up right after ECW, and that was the banner that the indie fans went to, mm-hmm. and that's where their niche was forever. And now you're shoving it down people's throats on national television when they were never a national television company. Not to mention your company is in its fourth year of existence. You know, this is year four now. We've gone through three full years. So we're into year four. And people are now just identifying with your company. You're still a young company. And now you're splitting that fucking audience again. It's a bad business move. It's always going to be a bad business move, but he can't get the deal done for TV for Ring of Honor. But the reason why is A, because he can't go to them with numbers that says that they're viable, and B, it's all the bullshit that's happening at WBD. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Even though their show is one of the better rated shows for TNT and TBS, with Dynamite at least, mm-hmm. it still does not justify them giving more time because WBD is a fucking mess. As both you and I on the ODPH podcast and the 3FN podcast respectively talk about ad nauseum. Yeah. That's how much of a mess it is. It's always in the news. It was in the news again. I just didn't talk about it this week because I'm like, I, enough is enough. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but that is where the, the, that goes with GCW. Then there's this whole thing. And this is what I think Tony is actually also thinking is there's this whole movement that for some reason people believe that GCW is in cahoots with World Wrestling Entertainment because there's pictures of Brett with Stephanie McMahon and there's pictures of Jimmy Lloyd with Stephanie McMahon. Well, here's the thing. Does Stephanie McMahon and WWE know what GCW is? I bet money they do. Oh, yeah. GCW was at WrestleMania in owner's boxes. Brett Lauderdale purchased them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were given. Right. They were purchased. If you have an owner's box at WrestleMania, you get to meet Stephanie McMahon and whoever else is there because, you know, hey, you're a VIP at that point. Right. So that's how they got to meet. And then I'm sure there has been some business dealings because, hey, you know, they're an independent wrestling company. WWE is now bringing indie workers back to the performance center. So there's probably a thing where they're like, hey, you know, is there guys on your roster that we can come look at at your shows? And obviously for business purposes, you're going to want to do that. But that is as far as any deal goes with them. It's not like they're a feeder system for WWE. They're just a company that WWE sees and goes, oh, and probably in a little bit of a way, Triple H being a wrestling historian, Stephanie being a wrestling historian has known that, hey, we did good business with ECW. Technically, never was you know they were on the payroll for paying them for Flash Funk, yeah, or Too Cold Scorpio, if you will. That was the only really money that was exchanging hands. Is when they would take a talent, he would give Paul money to say, "Hey, listen, we're taking this talent. We know it's going to fuck up your TV, but here, we'll we'll compensate you for it." Mm-hmm. And that was that's how they were doing business with them. But it was never a feeder system. Yeah, it was never. It was they never. Just had fun, a, yeah. They had they 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 did a lot of talent exchanges and money exchanges over talent. That's just being nice instead of, as Vince McMahon said in the uh, Rise and Fall of ECW video, he's like, unlike Eric Bischoff, I just thought it was right to pay for the talent we took from him because, you know, you should never just take people's shit, mm-hmm. especially if you respect the person. And right. I have a good relationship with Paul. So basically, GCW reminds probably Stephanie and Triple H of that. And now they're like, okay, we just want to have a friendly relationship. It's not like we work together. They're not going to be on the fucking network. They're not going to be the feeder system. It's not going to be an evolved situation for them. What it's going to end up being is, Hey, you know, we'll, you know, you bring in some of the top talent. Do you mind if a scout comes and watches, you know, Hey, well, you know, if we're in town or you're around, you can come to an event, hang out. Yeah. Shit like that. Being friendly is not being in bed. AEW should do the same thing and used to do the same thing with GCW. 
Brett, uh, Brett's been at many of AEW shows. Brett's met Tony Khan. There's pictures of Tony Khan and Brett. So I don't understand where this is all coming from, except for some conspiracy theories. And as we all know, Tony Khan tends to get a little frazzled about the uh, conspiracy theories because cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I was going to say, remember, Nick Gage wrestled on AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So to see how the internet is kind of running with this, it's just it's mind-blowing. And for TK and company, they just got to really sit back and really see what's going on. It doesn't hurt to network in any kind of business you're in. And for WWE to have a friendly relationship with GCW, there's nothing wrong with that. It's called good business practice. It's just called being smart and knowing the temp in the room and knowing who's your, not competition, but knowing who's making some moves and saying like, okay, if I see them doing something well here, maybe I'll try implementing that to my game. Yeah, originally, like it came out that WWE wanted to buy uh, Bloodsport. They wanted, yeah. they wanted, here's the thing, they didn't want to buy, Brett even said if they wanted, I would have sold it to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. The thing that they wanted is that they had heard about Bloodsport after the first or second one because Bloodsport has caught on fire. Like whenever they do a Bloodsport event, it's Josh big. Barnett's with Bloodsport, it ends up being a big event and people talk about it because it's different. There's no ropes on the ring. They call it Kumite style, if mm. you will. But it's more like it's, it's, it's a work shoot. Yeah, like like it looks like shoot wrestling. It looks like MMA, but it's it's still wrestling. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, well, no you've yeah. seen Bloodsport. Yeah, I've seen Bloodsport. No, I mean it's, it's if you have it at home, it's it's kind of a work shoot, right? Yeah, it's a work shoot, but it definitely has a different vibe to it. It's a different look that you normally don't see anywhere else. So that's why it stands out. That's why it causes the buzz it does. So allegedly, and I, I, Brett's confirmed a little bit. He was reached out from somebody in the WWE office. This was when Vince was still in charge, and they said, "Hey, we're really interested in this concept." You know, would you mind if we used it or, you know, whatever, whatever. And Brett's like, oh, I don't own it, so go ahead. And then you add Raw Underground, and that kind of had no ropes, and mm-hmm. it kind of had that kind of feel, not to the extent that Bloodsport. Bloodsport's a lot better and looks like a legit sport when they do those events over the... So, yeah, there was something there, but it's like, he's like, I didn't own it. Yeah, it's, not it's just like- an idea I came up with. He was like, it was nice that their office reached out and said, hey, we're going to borrow this from you, just so you know. Like, he was like, that was just nice of them. Because like, they didn't have to. They could have just stole that shit. Right, but it's good practice and especially good relationships to have. You don't want to burn bridges. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then somebody out there who would probably say, well, then why did WWE burn them with AEW? Well, the difference is nobody in GCW was breaking thrones and talking about competition and talking about putting you out of business and da-da-da-da-da. They're not living rent-free. Exactly. So it's a little different there. So that brings me to the final part. And Joey Janela, former <laughs> AEW wrestler, he has some axes to grind, if you will. Yes. He was he was he was one of those first people announced for all elite wrestling that people were excited for when the independent stuff started before they signed all XWW talent. And and no matter how you want to argue this, that is facts. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, after people, the new toys came, just like everybody else, he fell into a role where he was no longer being used. And he wasn't allowed to work every GCW show. He was allowed to work them, but not everyone. Right. Hell, they made him, instead of working a GCW show, they would make him fly to Florida to do tapings for Dark and Dark Elevation that he still wasn't used on. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. So when his contract was up, they did offer him another contract, which is contrary to popular belief that they didn't. They did. 
And Joey was like, no, no, I'd rather just go on my own and, and you know, be able to work indies. I, can, I think I'll be better off that way. And since then, he has now, as we know, been wrestling all over the world, Japan, Europe, Australia, Mexico, Canada, U.S. He's been wrestling everywhere, right? including GCW primarily. Like, that's his, his home company, but then he's out everywhere else. And we've seen some good things. He's been in DDT in Japan. He's going to New Japan to do some shows over there. I heard about that. Uh, he's, he's wrestled for AAA now. He's wrestled in Canada. So he's been everywhere. And the point of the matter is he's basically said this is the best year of his wrestling life. It went from a horrible moment where, and, and I love how fans, and this is, I'm using in quotation marks, take shots at people who lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And he, because ba- he basically said, listen, I lost a paycheck that I could count on, monthly paycheck counting on. So the world was scary. And you know what, though? Just like other guys before me, I took a bet on myself and it's paying off. I'm making more money. I'm getting more bookings and I'm having the best time in my wrestling career. And people, for some reason, were like, well, you're now shitting on the company that made you. It's like, first of all, AEW didn't make him. Never made him. GCW made him. Mm. And the spot that he did with John Zandig made him. Yes. And he was already catching fire because he's a young, talented wrestler. And then he did the spot with Zandig. And then he was doing a bunch of shit in CZW with him and Leo Rush having an amazing feud. That was the origins of the Blackheart Mm -hmm. Leo Rush. And then all, all in happened, and then he became like the superstar and signed to All Elite Wrestling. So don't say that he didn't put the fucking work in. That's just disingenuous. And just because he's not signed there anymore, he never said anything bad about AEW at first. He was just saying, I'm doing better for myself now, and I'm happier with myself because I bet on myself. People turned it in, so then he turned on them mm-hmm. and just said, well, fuck you then. I'll talk all the shit I want. So all this stuff with AEW and WWE is ha- or GCW and WWE and AEW mixing in has happened. I know it's convoluted and confusing, but that leads us to his posts as of late are taking shots at AEW while promoting WWE because he's just working the crowd. Yes. And his latest was from today, and I thought this was epic, and I'm going to explain why, because some people behind the scenes won't understand what this actually means, but I'm going to tell you. Ken can't tell you. He's going to plug his ears because he doesn't want to be put on the naughty boy list like me. But Joey Donella tweeted today, for everyone in at GC Wrestling underscore, in case you missed our email, please promote at WWE Raw tonight. There's two reasons why this is a thing. First of all, he's poking the motherfuckers who are talking shit. But here's what he was famously said after he left that he used to get emails and messages from AW office people saying, hey, we need you to plug dynamite tonight. Well, I'm not on dynamite. Nope. We still need you to do that. We need you to plug rampage tonight. Still do it. The other thing that's special up is that AEW uses a third party company to send out their photos, their press releases and everything else. How do I know? I was pressed for AEW. They put me on the naughty boy list because I criticized them and they don't like that. Tony doesn't like it when you talk badly of his company, even if it's warranted. So, and and if anybody lies and says this isn't a thing, I can prove it. I have the emails. So they send it out through a third party company. And when they send it to you, they also send you what you should write in your tweet. As a matter of fact, it's not even what you write, what you should copy and paste. That is why every time you see people put up an advertisement for AEW, it reads the exact same way unless somebody's smart and changes it. But for the most part, it always says the same thing. Go ahead and look. There's there's plenty of people you see that have the, the Dynamite video package the day before Dynamite or the day of Dynamite with the same exact tweet and the same, or if it's on Instagram, the same exact one because it's a copy and paste job that they want you to do. 
So this was Joey Janela taking a shot at that because GCW ain't emailing their people that tell them to promote WWE Raw. They're not giving them some cookie cutter shit, but he knows just like I know the AEW is because AEW does that with their talent for some reason. The same thing they send to their press, they send to their talent to promote. It's weird. It's definitely an interesting experience, I gotta say that. But yeah, Janela is running with this, and I'm loving seeing this. Because he, you you take it right in the head. When he left AEW, he was actually very classy about it. Like he he didn't take any shots, but once the fan base went at him, it, all bets were off. And now he is just loving this because obviously he represents GCW. I think the only one who's even closer is Nick Gage. That those are the two franchise players mm-hmm. of GCW. So if you're going to take a shot at that company, especially from that fan base coming at him and you know with over conspiracy theory, he's going to take shots back. If you think that they're going to sit there and take this lying down, you're sadly mistaken. Absolutely, and I would also go as far as saying that you got to remember Joey Janela maybe even more synonymous with GCW because when Nick Gage was away and incarcerated, even though yes he was GCW and he was repping that crew, he was still incarcerated. Their main star was Joey Janela, mm-hmm. and and to the fact that their biggest show of the year is Joey Janela's Spring Break, right? Every year, so Joey Janela is is their was their most biggest focal point. Now you could argue since the King is back, it's Nick Gage. However. For the years where Nick was gone, Joey was the big star. So now it's 1A, 1B mm-hmm. in a lot of circumstances. And now that he's back in the fold full time. Well, that's enough kind of going through that convoluted story. I hope it explains a little bit more to everybody out there. If you do want to chat it up, hit us up. Uh, let's talk about some exciting news. Game Changer Wrestling is back on Fight.TV this weekend yes. with two gigantic shows. They haven't announced a lot for them, but you know what? Any GC- They're at the point right now where they don't have to announce shit on a show, and you know it's going to be good. But what they've announced already for some of this is phenomenal. So let's start off. They're back on uh, pay-per-view on the 22nd of October, which is this Friday night, from the Harpo's Theater in Detroit, Michigan, mm. D-Town what? Somebody's jumping off a stage. And they've got a hell of a card. Let me just say this. The first match is reason enough to buy this event and both on Fight.TV. We're going to get a man who has returned to GCW recently, and he's international. He is from the land of the rising sun, Japan. And he's been impressing people in his performances in the last few weeks. Shun Skywalker. Ooh. Guess who he's going to take on? The man who has set the Lucha world on fire this past year, the Lucha Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, Commander. No, he's not wrestling Commander. Shun Skywalker versus Commander in Detroit at the Harpo's Theater. All right, so early prediction. Shun's taking the jump off the stage. Commander is going to go flying into the third row. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be That's going to be epic. In a, in a fight, and that's all I can put it as, a fight, a different kind of boy. Jimmy fucking Lloyd is going one-on-one with Hoodfoot. Oh, shit. In a wrestling match that I'm sure that we're all going to love seeing, Yamato is going one-on-one with Jonathan Gresham. Oh, that's going to be technical 101. And in the main event of the evening, the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Championships will be on the line in a DLC match, which I'm pretty sure stands for Death Match Ladders and Chairs. Yeah, makes sense. Your champions, the Mega Bastards, Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. No, no news if Murdoch's going to be able to wrestle. Or I was not, just going to ask that. Yeah. But uh, it says that he's it's he's enlisted. They are going to be defending the belts against Los Macizo, Ciclope, Miedo Extremo, and of course the Second Gear Crew, Matt Warner and Matthew Justice. We're running the Triple Threat back. All of them, the the two are the current tag champions. The other two are former tag team champions. This is going to be some crazy shit. Remember the last time there was Second Gear Crew of the Briscoes at Harpo? It was insane. Yeah, I think this is going to top that. That was a scaffold match, if I remember correctly. Yep. 
Then Saturday, they're back in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, to be exact, Valleydale Ballroom. Uh, you can also order this on Fight.tv. And they've only got two matches announced, but I would say they're big enough deals. In the first match they have announced, Jonathan Gresham is going one-on-one with Speedball Mike Bailey. Ooh. And then they have a big six-man tag team match as the second gear crew, Matthew Justice, Mance Warner, and they're being joined by Daddy Effie, is going to take on Team Unsanctioned, Aaron Williams, Jeffrey John, and Lord Crew. Okay. Also promised for this event is your normal uh, teams coming in. Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, and the whole crew will be there. I'm sure there's going to be some six-man action. I'm sure, or sorry, some... Uh, six-man scrambled action yeah, I was gonna say and i'm sure a ton more added don't worry about it i promise you these are going to be great shows just from what listen shun skywalker versus commander is worth that first night not to mention yamato versus jonathan gresham and if you want to get a little violent that tag team championship match and listen without anything else announced jonathan gresham versus speedball mike bailey is worth the pay that could be match of the year legitimately the one thing about gcw and we were talking off air about this they could literally do mystery vortex cards and they'll still be amazing. Like that's the one thing about it. The name has overtaken the the, the matches per se. That you know you're going to get a GCW card that's going to deliver every time. There's only been one that maybe has kind of not hit two to an extent that have not been like amazing, mind blowing cards. But compared to where you can go and see some other ones, GCW stands out heads above the rest. Absolutely. So with that being said, that is going to do it for the opening segment of the show. I know that was a lot of Game Changer Wrestling, but hey, they're doing big things with AAA. There's all that beef with AEW. We're going to keep our eyes on that. We're going to take a break. When we come back from this break, it's going to be the main event segment because we're only doing two segments. We're going to be talking about Bray Wyatt's first in-ring promo since his return to World Wrestling Entertainment. And of course, we're going to talk about the, the you know, last week we talked about Aaron Hawani versus AEW. Oh, there's more to that story. We're going to cover that and more in the main event after this break. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble. It is time for the main event of this week's 607TWS. And uh, let's start off by talking about the return that we all got, that we all wanted, that we all needed. 
Bray Wyatt. Yes. Coming off of one of the top three, and that is, if it's one, two, or three, doesn't matter, top three returns of all time, continuing into Raw, where they used it sparingly, showed us the, the footage, and, you know, especially with being the kickoff and everything else they had planned, I thought that was very smart, to then coming on to SmackDown. So before we talk about SmackDown, Ken, how are you feeling about the return of Bray Wyatt now that we're a week past it? It's still sending shockwaves through the wrestling world. It, it's that big of a moment that fans who tuned out are tuning in now to check it out, and they could not have done a better job. Even like the little tease they did on Raw, they just reshowed it for anybody who didn't see the pay per view for whatever. Oh, I'm sorry, premium event. So they gave enough that fans were definitely locked and loaded in for Friday Night SmackDown to see what was going to transpire from this because that final shot and we got to hear the clean audio because obviously it was so loud at Extreme Rules. Everybody was jazzed up about this one, and rightfully so. Absolutely. I think this was a big get. We, we've we often talked about how he was the last major free agent out there, and, mm-hmm. and, he's, still, and he's proving that fact to be the last major uh, free agent out there. I will say before we talk about the promo, and I'm even going to play some clips from the promo uh, from this past week on SmackDown, how did you feel about his new entrance music? Loved it. I mean, it was it was different than I thought it was going to be. But I did love it, though. Yeah, it was definitely different. I'm not saying I hated it. I'm not saying I loved it. I I'm, I kind of feel impartial about it, but I'm sure it's going to grow on me because it, it does make sense. Yes, it makes sense. Like that was the whole thing to take away because I was hoping he went back to the original, cat, you know, catching flies there. But the fact that they went to a different direction with it, I'm okay with it. But I'm was after the promo. I think I liked it even more because this felt like more organic. Does that make sense? Yes, I agree. Well, let's go ahead, and I'm going to play. This is this is from WWE's YouTube channel itself, giving credit where it's due. And this is just kind of a cut up of the his his promo. It touches on a lot of important parts. It's just a it's just a, about a minute or two long. So I just want to play this for you, little highlight clips, so we can talk about it. So here you go. <laughs> I don't I don't know if y'all can read this on me, but I, I am I'm incredibly grateful and. I'm really, really nervous to be here, but I never thought that this would happen. <laughs> and this, this, this right here, this is just me, okay? You know, this is a, a version of me that I'm, I've never got to introduce to you guys before. This is just me being me, genuine me for the first time. <laughs> And I, I, and I got to a point where I thought that everything that I'd ever done here or otherwise, I thought it was all meaningless. Nothing I ever did has mattered to anyone. And, and I, was, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I can sit here right now today and I can look all of you in the eyes and I can say that you were there when I was weak, when I was vulnerable, when I was down. So I just wanted to say thank you. You all saved my life. You wouldn't let me alone. Every time I tried to run away and hide, you were there to find me. When I left things behind, you found them. You chased me. You are the reason. Oh, little one, my little little one. Come, come. Come with me. Your life is done. 
Forget the future. Forget the past. Life is over. Breathe your last. You got no idea who you're dealing with, do you? Ooh, but you will. <laughs> you will. Well, we've seen a lot of speculation coming out of that. I just want to first, let's start it off. It's kind of like the tale of two promos. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you get this uh, version of Bray Wyatt, if you will. Uh, more like the Wyndham Rotunda himself, explaining what seemed to be personal. I, I believe that there was some real emotion and some real promo in that. Uh, your thoughts about the, the Bray Wyatt portion, the Wyndham Rotunda portion, if you will, of that promo. If you ever want to find a definition of a worked shoot promo... That was it because he came out doing the character voice of Bray Wyatt, but he definitely, as he started going, got into a lot more of the emotional behind the scenes stuff and it felt real. And when you can blur that line a little bit, it's perfect. I think it's because some of that was real. I think yeah. I, I, I'm, I will take this at face value. Do I think it's a work? Yes, it's all part of a work. Okay. Especially when you get to the end and we have uh, what, oh, yeah, the ending what people it. are calling Mr. Howdy now. Is or Uncle Howdy. Uncle, Uncle Howdy, Mr. Howdy, whatever. They, what they're, that character is saying is pretty much don't believe a word that Bray Wyatt says. Mm -hmm. And some people are taking it as he's going to do a feud against himself, I saw. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a part of him that is trying to con the world again. You know, let's go back to old Bray Wyatt promos. Bray Wyatt used that parable well of the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world believe he didn't exist. And Bray Wyatt did that before when he was doing the, the Firefly Funhouse before yep. the debut of The Fiend. Mm -hmm. And this is seeming to be a more sinister, in a lot of ways, character with this Uncle Howdy. And I think that we're going back into, like I said, almost, you know, they're not taking what I wanted them, or I shouldn't say wanted them, what I anticipated them to do, but they're going into a neat, interesting area where I think he is going to be playing that dark, devil-like character. He is going to go back, to because that is his bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But I think he's doing this ingeniously. Does that mean he was lying to the crowd? No, I believe that he was. He missed the crowd. I believe that. Oh, I believe that you know he probably did, especially looking in his face. He probably really did have doubts about himself, and that probably nothing mattered. But then the the, the people outpoured to him, and they were paying attention to him, and it just made him feel great. I'm sure all of that is actually legitimate, real from Wyndham Rotunda. I bet you 100 percent it is. However, the reason he said that in that ring is to con everybody to believe that Bray Wyatt slash Wyndham is a good guy. He's a guy that you can trust. He's a guy that's going in. And then the second side of him, the other side, the side that sometimes used to be the fiend, and before that was the cult leader, is reminding you, no, 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 no. He's still the snake that he is. Because I don't think he was cutting a promo to wrestle himself. I think he was cutting a promo to kind of let the fans know that, hey, what you heard out here is all well and good, but he's fucking lying to you. Yes and no. I, I think when you get to the character point, yeah, absolutely. Because I think at his core, Bray Wyatt as a heel is spot on. Like that is perfect for him because he, he does so well of it in his own unique way. But I think there, WWE is smart enough to know like the minute he came back and obviously when he was released, it was a big no, it was a big noise. And obviously it hurt a lot of fans because Bray is such a creative mind that I thought that this was the perfect way to let him get that face pop in on, on the return, like the real one where he's talking to the crowd, and then we can wipe it away right after. 
I agree. But like I said, I think that that was the part that was this, the, the, the promo itself, I believe, was honest to God to shoot. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. He probably, like, literally. But the way that they morphed the story into it was perfect. Oh, yeah. Because that ending is the story part. The the actual, what he said in the ring was good for the pop. They knew the crowd was going to cheer him. But it was also probably really from his heart. Mm-hmm. You could tell there was a lot of real emotion there. Yeah. However, the way that they structured the story piece at the end is the story is that, you know, people are looking too deep into it, which is good, because you should always look deep into Bray Wyatt stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes you take a face value, and the face value is this darker side of him, this Uncle Howdy, if you will, is telling you that he, I'm full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy in front of you, you let's, let's you forget that he lied to you and then was the fiend. He is still that guy. We might have defeated the fiend. The fiend might have been gone, but who? when the fiend, when that evil leaves, who do you think takes the evil's throne? Yeah. We do. And that person in the ring is me. We're not two separate entities. We're the one and the same. He's just coming out there to lie to you because he wants you to be deceived, to believe in him. So when he stabs you in the back, he really didn't stab you in the back. He stabbed you between the eyes. Mm -hmm. And that is perfect because, once again, like you said, the best part about this is he gets to cut the heartfelt promo that I swear he probably really meant. Oh, yeah. And then at the same point in juncture... They get to keep the story and turn the story to go in. And then also it gets people deciding whether this is means that the Wyatt Six is is or you know, as 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 people keep saying, is not maybe a faction, but maybe six different personalities of him. I doubt it. It'd be weird to do a schizophrenic kind of yeah. thing with him. I don't think they're going in that direction. Or that he's gonna feud with himself, which is interesting on the first take. But I really believe that the reveal, and maybe he will feud, quote unquote, with himself because maybe they'll keep this back and forth between him and this uh, Uncle Howdy. However, you're going to find out at some point that Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy aren't two separate characters. They're the same character and they're the same person. Like maybe they'll go the route of maybe going, oh, he's got a split personality and like the Fiend was. But I don't think that's the case. I think that you're gonna you're gonna find out that they're one and the same, and that's how you turn him heel. That's how you get him back into being that dark figure that he needs to be. Yeah, I was gonna say it'll tie back into the whole uh, heel and hurt that he right. used to carry on his hands. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that happening because he's got he's gonna go back that route. But he, at least he got his swan song to say his piece to the fans mm-hmm. before getting back to business. And also, you got to point out the fact, like I said before. Convincing the world the devil doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And here he is, though. He's lying to your face. And I think that was an interesting uh, uh, add-in. Uh, so much, in fact, I, I will say this. Chris Jericho gave him a very nice uh, approval. After the video, he quote-tweeted the video of that, and he said, I, I, I don't believe a minute of it, and I love it. Yes. Because he's basically saying what I said. He's going out there, and he's cutting this beautiful promo, and then you're getting the storyline. And that story piece is so good that even Chris Jericho is like, I love that. That's fucking good. That is real good. But that's what he brings to the table with Wyatt. He is just such an imaginative character. And just the directions he goes with his his roles, they're phenomenal. Like, this is why the fans were so excited to see him back in the first place. Like, if you don't understand why this buzzes, and if you're just saying, oh, WWE is all about, you know, the the supernatural, goofy stuff. No, this is when it's done to a masterful level. This is why the fans were excited to see it come back, and I'm here for it. Absolutely, And I... <laughs> I, I just love what he's doing there, and it was a big get. Well, we got a final piece, and it's kind of adding on from last week, and that's why we have to talk about it. And listen, and this isn't me hating AEW. I don't. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. This is more of the fact that I love Ariel Hawani owning people. 
Yes. There is something in my life that I need. Like when he owned Brendan Schaub, mm-hmm. it's fucking phenomenal. When he owned Dana White, it was phenomenal. Like Ariel Hawani, this 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 small, un, you know, he doesn't. He's not an intimidating guy. But when he gets on that microphone and he's doing a podcast and he's doing his shows, he is ferocious. Yes. He cuts. He cuts some of the best promos you'll ever hear. So, with that in mind, Ariel Hawani. After we, we told you about the initial thing where he had said that the Tony Khan interview was the most frustrating of his career. Uncle Dave even kind of was like, I can see how that happens. 125% this is so good is that it continued on. After we went off the air, mm-hmm. it literally continued on. It's taken a life of its own. And it's taken a life of its own. And I'm going to read you some of the tweets from one Mr. Ariel Hawani. And then we are, we're going to try to play you also a clip from his show. Uh, so, are you ready, Ken? I am so ready for this. He said, and I quote, You AEW freakazoids are nuts. <laughs> You're all mad that I said I didn't enjoy one interview, yet for the past year plus, every time I talk wrestling, I have praised the product, said WWE was stale, blah, blah, said it on Simmons Pod in July, my show a hundred times, look it up, and chill out, sheesh. If me saying the interview wasn't enjoyable offends you because you liked it, Thanks. I appreciate it. If you want to defend the non-answers, most of which had nothing to do with the legal stuff, but alas, fine. Who cares? Not sure why you're so mad and comparing this and that. Sheesh. I paid for the past year. Uh, or sorry. I said for the past year, the Sasha Banks BT interview was a disaster and my least favorite ever. Still is. See? Question mark. Didn't want it to ru- run. Why didn't anyone go crazy over that? Question mark. Exclamation point. Get a gripe. Stop picking and choosing, and if you are, please also pick the nice stuff to K, question mark. Thanks, period. Oh, and I was asked about it on the show. I didn't just randomly start talking about it. And yeah, the product isn't as good right now. It was superior six months ago. I said that. It isn't now. It may be superior again in six months. This happens. My opinion, it's not that serious, bros. And then my personal favorite ending cap tweet, which will tie into what we talked about in the beginning. Best part, question mark, exclamation point. I predicted this very reaction. Ha, exclamation point. Amazing, period. Okay, I'm done, period. Off to watch some GCW, period. Now that's real wrestling with a kiss emoji. <laughs> Ariel Hawani is gangster as fuck. Do not pick fights with Ariel Hawani. Ken M, how do you think about those tweets? Hail to the goat. I seriously was dying at this because Ariel said nothing wrong under any circumstance. He knew that the fan base was going to try coming after him. And you seem to forget he fights verbally with some of the toughest people on the planet on the regular. He is not worried about the AEW fan base, nor should he, because he's a fan. He covers it like we do right down the middle when it's been good. He's praised it. And like he touched upon six months ago when WWE was stale, he was one of the biggest critics of WWE. And now... That we say AEW is looking a little stale. It's you know not exactly has the luster that it used to. Everybody is getting so defensive, like you know, we're saying we hate AEW. And Ariel put it right on the head. He goes, "I never said that, but I knew you were going to come at me and say it, and you completely missed the mark. And if you're going to do this, the GCW shot was the perfect way to end that." Oh, I agree. It was it was really funny. So. It didn't stop there. Of course, Brett Lauderdale, not to miss an opportunity, tweeted out afterwards, Cat's out of the bag. Ariel has always been a big GCW fan. Sent many merch packages to his address. Thanks for the support, big dog. Let me know when you want to pull up. 
Uh, meanwhile, he just to say that that was a joke. Yeah. But then Ariel was like, "Oh, if you, I'll stop by a show." Oh my God! So you, that came. See, that came up later. So Ariel Hawani might stop into a GCW show sooner than later. Calling it right now, Ariel Hawani, Joey Janela, Spring Break. Well, actually, jo- the funny thing you mentioned that Joey Janela said, "Hey, I got a place <gasps> in the clusterfuck for you if you want it." Yes. So, so that could be a possible possible oh my thing God, that yes. actually does happen. So, <laughs> Ryan Satin, which once again, he's just as much of a clown as fucking Meltzer and everybody else. Let's be honest. Although he's on the WWE side of things mm. and not the AW side of things, but I do I do like his his Take. tweet here. Yep. He he tweeted out some of y'all get mad if I don't ask hard hitting questions on my show. Yet complain when at Ariel Hawani expects a few answers from the president of a promotion if he does. Make up your mind. Yeah, there it is. The two way street again. Mm-hmm. So you get crucified if you don't ask the hard hitting questions to a WWE guy. But man, if you ask Tony Khan hard hitting questions, whoa, 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 all, all butts are off. Yeah. That's too hard. That's too much. That's too much. You you have to play it right down the middle if you're going to be a true journalist. And this is a situation that some of the fans out there don't like hearing it because you don't want to hear negativity about your product. And listen, if you want to go hard in the paint for your promotion, go do it. But when you start getting to a toxic level because, well, it's not coming out the way you want to hear it, tough. You need to deal with it. Well, it gets better because our good friend Brian Alvarez oh boy. decided that he – wanted to enter the fray, and he kind of made this whole big deal on his his podcast about how Ariel Hawani's upset about this one little this one little piece of, like, whatever, that he went on and on about how he wouldn't answer questions, and he just asked him those legal questions that he couldn't answer, and he just kept on it. And uh, that's not the case. That clip maybe the last 90 seconds. But I can't explain it as well as the man himself, so we're going to play some audio from Ariel Hawani right now. Times says that he didn't watch the interview and then he goes on and on and says if you don't like the answer ask something else move on to something else move on to something else brian that little part about cm punk in the brawl maybe lasted 90 seconds it was a 77 minute interview i didn't harp on it what i was talking about was asking about feelings regarding mjf talking about contract uh you know cody rhodes how did you feel when he showed up this guy that you had been in the trenches with for years um how did you feel when he showed up what was your conversation like with triple h with stephanie with nick Khan? oh no comment no comment no comment no comment the brawl thing you know i see people talking about it and and Honestly, I expect a little better from, from Brian. Uh, the brawl thing literally lasted 90, minute, 90 seconds of a 77-minute interview. Right. So to, to A, preface your comments on me with, I didn't watch the interview, and then B, continue to repeat that I was harping on this legal thing, which, by the way, I asked him a bunch of things like, how did you feel sitting up there hearing this? That's not a legal question. That's a feeling question. And there's a very easy way to dance around. By the way, earlier or later in the show, I had Chatri Citraton on. There's a report out there that his company lost $110 million. Did he no comment me? Did he say it won't serve me well to talk about this? No. He danced around it. He said this. He said that. There's a way to answer these questions. But fine. It's not me being upset. I was asked what I thought of the interview. I said it was a frustrating interview because he didn't want to explain anything about any type of feeling. I get that you can't talk about X, Y, and Z. But I'm asking feelings. I'm asking emotion. And then the other thing is, oh, but you just sat with Triple H a month ago and you didn't ask him about Vince McMahon. Well, first of all, I did ask about taking over for Vince. I did ask about what the philosophy changes. I did ask about NXT, you know, getting pretty much you know ruined over the past year and how he felt about that. I asked about those things. I asked him about Vince McMahon's controversies, allegations, whatever. What does he have to do with that? That would be like a coach replacing a coach who did really poorly and being like, we're a coach getting a cute Bobby Knight. You know, pushing a kid, and then the guy who replaces him at Indiana getting asked about Bobby Knight pushing the kid. No, you can ask about how you're going to change the team, how you're going to right the ship, how you're going to get back on track. But that's his allegation, that's his controversy, that's his situation and story. Why would I ask Triple H about that? And to equate the stuff that I asked Tony Khan about to the stuff that Vince McMahon is dealing with, 
If any quote-unquote journalist is going to make that comparison, I mean, you're not even worth my time at that point. You're saying those two things are the same? You're, you're talking about a sexual allegation and, you know, an improper relationship? You're comparing that to me asking about Cody Rhodes appearing at WrestleMania? What? Have you lost your mind? What is wrong with you people? That's pretty much it. <laughs> he hit it so much right on the head. I applaud him. He is one of my favorite journalists because he literally put it right out there. There's certain things you can't answer, but if it's an emotion question, you can do something. If you keep going on there saying no comment, no comment, why are you even doing the interview, in my opinion? Like, that is just such a waste of time. Well, he came to shill his shit. Yeah. And a 77-minute interview means you have to give something. Meanwhile, you know, once again, I, I kind of defended him last week when I said that, hey, you know, he's used to going on like Busted Open and dealing with the wrestling media who isn't going to push him on certain issues and is just happy to see him and he can plug his shit and they're going to gush over whatever and, and call it a day. When you're in there with Ariel Hawani, He's a real journalist. He's going to push issues. He's mm -hmm. going to ask you questions. And at the end of the day, it's your choice to answer them or not answer them. And if you're not going to be willing to answer them and give people an answer, then you have to deal with the, the repercussions of said that. It's just horrible that we're in a world where you're going to be promoted on one of the biggest radio shows slash podcasts in the combat sports world. And instead of going on there and giving some, you know, moments of thoughts or what you were thinking or, you know, explaining it out. So people, you know, like you and your company, you just decided, no, no, we're going to no comment on everything. And he's right. Like he didn't just ask about the legal stuff. That was 90 seconds yeah. of a 77 minute interview. But why couldn't he answer how he felt about Cody Rose being at WrestleMania? You know, why couldn't he answer about, you know, what MJF had said on Ariel Hawani's show? Why can't? And once again, people are like, well, then he's just talking about negative. No, the job is to talk. That is the news portion. That's like if I'm going to talk to Tony Khan about things, I'm going to ask him real questions. I'm not going to ask him the softballs. That's why he has the certain media members at those scrums, because they ask him the worst softball questions of all time. I want to know why certain people aren't being used on television. I want to know why uh, we start a feud or we start an angle and it's on TV and it's doing well for a few weeks and all of a sudden it just disappears. I want to know why. You know, Ring of Honor is dominating your airwaves when you have your own wrestling promotion and, and why you don't get that that's driving a wedge in your fans. I want to know what those are the questions, but you're not hearing those questions asked on Busted Open because you're hearing Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray and whoever else kiss the man's ass. You're not hearing those questions in those scrums because everybody in that room is there and knows that if they do, they're going to be on the naughty boy list and no longer get that information. And that is the one thing that sets us apart as editorial journalists. We're not journalists who break news. We're editorial journalists mm. is I can give my fucking opinion. And whether you agree with it or not is all, you know, is, is all well and good. However, I, if I had a chance to have a real journalistic in interaction with him, I would have done the same exact thing as Ariel Hawani. Exactly. You said last week, Ken, mm -hmm. speaking about you, you said, hey, we've done interviews. We've done interviews, myself and you have done interviews with celebrities and authors and, and just regular people we know. We've mm -hmm. done a ton of interviews in this time that we've been podcasters, five years for you, four years for me. We've done all these interviews. Yep. And I have never chosen to ask a softball question. Never in my life. I do ask people up front what they feel comfortable answering or not. If they say, oh, whatever, whatever the conversation takes, that means I'm going to ask whatever question. I'm going to ask whatever question is pressing. If I'm talking about an author of a book and I read the book, and whether it's a comic book or not, I'm not going to just go, oh, here, let me give you a lob ball. I'm going to say, no, no, no. Why was your choice to do this if that's something that bothered me? 
Why, you know, maybe you can tell me the artistic thing behind it. If I'm interviewing a celebrity and they did something uh, questionable or took a movie role questionably, I want to know. I want to know why you do that. That's not ambushing, you know, and it's a totally different thing. Like when people are comparing it to asking Triple H about Vince McMahon's sex scandals, what does Triple H have to do with that? It has nothing to do with it. That's all things. People are trying to go for some clickbait. If that is the case, but Ariel put it right on the head. It's like there's no reason you would even ask him about it. You can say, okay, now you're taking over. Obviously, there's been a bad stretch of PR that you've had. You're coming into a new regime what are some of the plans you have if you can tell us anything about that you leave which that he did yeah which he did you do that kind of question you don't have to sit there and ask him about past events you know ariel hawani also asked him how he felt about AEW. ariel hawani also asked him how he felt about a the wednesday night war quote-unquote war that was where the sound clip of triple h saying oh you know they think that they won something good for them they beat our developmental that's where that sound clip came from mm-hmm so don't say they didn't, he didn't ask Triple H hard questions. Triple H just chose to answer them. And he could answer them however, and you judged how he answered them. That's fine. Tony could have done the same thing. Yeah. It's simple. I told it last week when I said about the legal thing. Hey, right now, you know, that's we're having an investigation. Legally, I can't talk about that. But as soon as everything is sorted out, you know, I'd love to come back on and talk to you about that. That's the way you answer that question. The way you answer a question about Cody Rhodes, you can do one of two things. You can honestly say your honest opinion, which I'm pretty sure he was pissed oh, yeah. because he, the, you know, he was convinced that Cody wasn't a main eventer, and here he is getting this loud ass pop in in Dallas. So I, I'm I'm sure that went over well. Mm-hmm. But you know, or you can just give this up. Hey, listen. I, I love working with Cody. We had a great partnership. He exactly. helped. He helped AEW get off the ground. You know, and it was a great partnership between me and him. You know, we just weren't seeing eye to eye anymore. And he decided that maybe he would like to see if the grass was greener on the other side. I wish him well in all his future endeavors. Perfect. Like I was happy. Yeah. I and you could even take it a step further if you want to be the good guy and say I was happy that he got a great reaction at WrestleMania because he's a terrific performer and he's a terrific human being. And I wish him nothing but the best. But as a company, AEW had to move on, and so we have. But once again. I wish him the best. That is the way you answer that fucking question. That Fact. is exactly the way. And if you didn't want to put him over good, you just answer the question. Like I said, we didn't see eye to eye. He decided to see if the grass was greener, and I'm glad that if he's happy with his choice, that's fine. As a company, as AEW, I can tell you we've moved on, and we're happy with our decision, so hopefully everything goes well. There's many ways to answer that question without saying no comment. Yeah, and still come across as a human fucking being. That's the whole point. If you're going to be on there, you need to have a conversation. And if you're not going to do that, then don't schedule the interview. Don't. But this was a perfect way to get more people on your product for the right reasons, especially after the past couple of months you've had. And this is just another miscue that could have been easily avoided. And for everybody that's crucifying Ariel about this, he did what any respectable journalist would have done. He asked the questions and he wasn't prying into too much. He wanted just an honest reaction as a conversation. You know this going in. Usually screen you know, your questions. You say, I'm going to be talking about X, Y and Z today. Is there going to be any problems talking about this? If there is, then you kind of work around and you go from there. But you don't sit there and just keep going, no comment, no comment, no comment. Why are you even wasting the time? Well, because he went on there thinking it was going to be like busted open. And I'm not trying to shit on busted open, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying he thought it was going to be like there where he goes on, he plugs the event, and then they ask him questions about said event. So he's like, oh, tonight on Dynamite, da-da-da-da-da. And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, you got John Moxley facing, you know, whoever. You know, how did that match come about? And he just answers those questions, which are all to do with storyline. Yeah. So that's what he's used to. And maybe giving a little peek behind the curtain is what he's used to. He's used to those live balls. You've seen the scrums. Mm-hmm. He's The realest the scrum has ever gotten was the night of All Out where CM Punk did what he did. And then later on, Tony Khan had his meltdown about WWE and how he had, he, I have all the money. I have money. That's the difference. I have money. I, I, will, I will spend money. I, I will, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Come on, man. 
That's the problem with him. He needs to shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down. And that's the whole thing I've been saying. Right now, he's become a detriment to AEW. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine. But it's true. He has become an absolute detriment. Dave, uh, fucking Dave last week, Uncle Dave himself, after the Hawani thing, we even talked about it. Uncle Dave was like, yep, I've been frustrated as of late as well. That means even people on your side are frustrated with you. Come on, man. Come on. And once again, on this show, it sounds like we're bashing all the time. But no, the only newsworthy stuff coming out of all elite wrestling is all of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the CM Punk shit, whether it's been the Sammy Guevara shit, whether it's been, you know, the fact that they're not booking their world tag team champions and arguably the best tag team in the world for whatever reason. How many months number one contender? Since uh, April of last year. Or this year. Sorry. April of this year. So April to now. I misspoke when I said last year. So WrestleMania time to now, they've been number one contenders. Still haven't gotten a shot at that title. And when asked about it, he goes, oh, you know, they have three other belts they can defend on TV. <laughs> no, we're asking you when you're the, the team that you have signed to a contract. We are asking you when they're going to get a shot at your titles. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, they're not. They're good enough to hold everything else, but not yours. You know, they're, you know they've been very diplomatic about it. But, you know, hey, book us, brother. Yeah, we're still, we're still under contract. Well, that's the whole thing. I think the tag team division. I talked about this a little bit in blogs, kind of anywhere. I think most of the tag team division got shifted over to the trios tag to really try pushing that, which that is fine. But you still have your contenders for your regular tag team titles. You still got to do something with that. It's just really wild to me. And once again, we point out those things. We point out when WWE's doing shit stuff, mm-hmm. too. I mean, WWE didn't have a real memorable week this weekend on television. I mean, we could have talked about Rey Mysterio asking to be on SmackDown, but that's not really... Who cares? Yeah. They had an all right week. It wasn't bad shows, but they weren't earth-shattering. Except for... Well, we already talked about Raw. Raw was pretty big. Yeah. But we already talked about that on last episode because we did it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But here we are. We talked about the thing on Friday Night SmackDown. Other than that, it was a good episode of SmackDown, but nothing newsworthy. There's no backstage bullshit going on there that we can harp on. There's no stepping out of line we can harp on. The only thing we could possibly say about WWE right now is that Triple H has COVID. Yeah. And that's why he's not at TV tonight, and he won't be there on SmackDown or NXT or any of that, because he has COVID. That's the only thing we could talk about, other than the Bray Wyatt stuff. Really, that's honest. And if you if you disagree, write into stuff and I'll answer it from this week because we do this weekly. No, I'm just sitting here just thinking as you're talking. I mean, the Sami Zayn stuff is Sami Zayn stuff. Nothing really. Well, he's new. great. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but like I say, it's not newsworthy. I love, I love, I love the storyline that keeps going on between mm-hmm. Jey Uso, the Bloodline, and Sami Zayn. That's great. Yeah, it's good television. The only other thing that that we could, but it's not like a like a, a segment talking, is uh, Roxanne Perez and uh, Cora Jade have been coming up to the main. They're implementing them to hype up their stuff for NXT, but that's not anything super memorable. Well, no. It's it noteworthy. just means that two young, talented females are getting a push in World Wrestling Entertainment. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy with... What am I going to... Uh, you know, and it's not that I'm not happy about it, because I'm over the hill about it. However, people would get mad if we gushed about it. Exactly. So why gush about it? You know, that's the only news you have. Meanwhile, AEW is just giving a wealth of fucking like nonsense in the backstage area. Mm. And that needs to stop. And what needs to stop is they need to hire people that can be in charge because obviously TK is not getting the job done. And until they can, this is going to continue to happen. And guess what happens when all this happens? People don't tune in for it. I don't care how much people do like reality and wrestling, but when it gets too real, people just get nervous. Yeah. And it's too real when you got somebody calling somebody fat. 
and uh, that causes a problem. It's too real when you have you know that same talent getting in an argument on on online with another talent, and then when there's an altercation, only one person gets suspended. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs there, and to not report on that is stupid, and to not give our opinion on it. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to. I wish that one week would go by where I could come here and for all elite wrestling, literally like, oh, Dynamite was pretty good. I didn't like this. I didn't like that, but it was pretty good. Yeah. But it's just not going to happen right now until things change. And the reason to keep harping on it, the reason to keep bringing it up is A, that's what you do as an editorial journalist. Mm -hmm. And B, it's because maybe somebody is listening in Jacksonville, which they are. I know they are Mm -hmm. because how do you think I made the naughty list? And B... Go, hey, wait a minute. Maybe that fat fuck in New York that has a little bit of knowledge about pro wrestling, maybe we should just go, oh, get this in order. And it's easy fixes. Yeah. It's you got too much on your plate, Tony. Thank you for giving the company. Now let's take some shit off your plate. Let's get a person. You have William Regal there. Put him in charge of booking shit because that's what he did in NXT. Yeah. And then let's get a guy in the back. Hell, you have Mark Henry there already. WWE used Mark Henry as a liaison to the locker room, remember? Mm -hmm. When they were having little bits of problems, never not as big as AEW. Never to this level, but yeah. So instead of just having Mark Henry there to go, and now for your main event. Instead of that, how about you have him back there talking to the young guys? And we've heard him on Busted Open say, well, the young guys don't always want to take advice. Guess what? Then you force them. And Tony Khan has to force them to. Mm. You're their boss at the end of the day. That's like me going to work tomorrow and telling my boss, hey, you don't feel like working. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know, boss, you want me to burn this screen so we can make these shirts because that's what we do? Nah, you just don't feel it. So I guess we're not doing that today. I don't care that the customer needs the order. That's not my problem. Mm. It, how far is that going to get me? Oh, nowhere. If tomorrow <laughs> nowhere you fast. if to, tomorrow you went to your job and you looked at your boss <laughs> and said, "Hey, listen, today I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do and what I'm paid to do because I just don't feel like it. Instead, I'm going to do something else and I'm going to shit talk you and shit talk other employees. How far do you think that's getting you? Getting me right out the front door. Exactly. They're sending you home. Mm-hmm. The very least, they're sending you home. Whether it's for a day or whether it's forever is the is is the choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's everybody who's listening right now. That's your jobs. And the tribalistic shit needs to stop with the fans because you don't have any stake in WWE and you don't have any stake in AEW and you don't have any stake in any of these companies. And yet everybody wants to yell, piss and shit and moan and scream about how bad this is or that is. Guess what? Just take a step back. And if you like something, it's okay to criticize it. You know how many AEW fans are scared to criticize AEW because the rest of the fans will jump on them? You know how many times we're reading on the internet? And an AEW fan, and t- take this out. This is not just me. Kendall attests to it right now. You read, a, somebody makes a comment on Twitter. Somebody makes a comment and they have to preface it with, well, I'm an AEW fan, but I don't like this angle. Yeah. And they still get ripped to shreds. It's, but why do you have to preface anything with, I'm an AEW fan? You shouldn't have to. I'm just a wrestling fan and this is my fucking opinion. And and, and you can have an argument, like not like a, like you shouldn't have a verbal argument, but somebody can say, well, no, you're wrong and this is why. And no, well, you know, agree to disagree. That doesn't happen. And it's on both sides, by the way. I'm just using that as an example. Because they bought, they bought into that false narrative that was getting painted for them, that they needed to choose a side that, you know, I'm with AEW and that like, oh, you, you got to go so hard for the brand. What is the brand doing for you? Like this takes away from you as a fan watching wrestling that you have to sit there and, oh, defend every single action. Listen, no wrestling organization is perfect. None. I'll take that a step further. Nothing is perfect. Well, period. nothing is perfect. Yeah. But to put it in that perspective, so the fact that you have to sit there, criticism can be a good thing. 
And as long as somebody's not being toxic or aggressive about it, it's fine to say you're allowed to have a different opinion. If you don't like that, continue to live with rose-colored glasses and don't see the world. And then just shut the fuck up about it. Agreed. I couldn't have said it better myself. Then maybe things would get better there. I'm just going to throw that out there. But until you do, it's going to be the same shit. Rinse and repeat. And that's just not acceptable for anybody. And especially if you're a fan of pro wrestling, you want to see the best wrestling action, the most entertaining wrestling action. And you're not going to get that with all the turmoil and bullshit that you have to swim through. So please fix that shit. Stop fucking picking fights with Ariel Hawani. Stop letting your people in the back run roughshod over whatever the fuck they want to do. Let's get this shit back in order because right now, right now, your competitor has geared up and is hitting home runs. They're back in the saddle. They're back on this. They're back on the, the, the wind streak. Please believe it. It's fucking real. And if you don't believe me, check out that reaction to Bray Wyatt. Check out all that reaction to the White Rabbit prior to him coming back. Check out everything they've been doing since the Triple H era started. The, le- the most you get is some people going, well, it's not really that great. That's fine if that's your opinion. But the majority seem to think it is, and it's showing in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Last week, Raw did a 1.82 against a very good Monday night football matchup. Mm-hmm. Almost 2 million households turned Almost. into that instead of football. Right now, Raw should be getting like a one six one seven because of Monday Night Football, unless there's a weak game on. But there was a strong game on last week, and there the the houses tuned in. So don't tell me that they're taking L's right now. And SmackDown's never been bigger. Yeah, SmackDown's on fire right now. And like again, we don't talk ratings much, but it is a measuring stick that you can use, so you have to use it. It's the temp in the room, and but if you're seeing the numbers are growing, obviously the fan base is tuning in. Now, to what degree? It all depends on your interpretation. But I'm going to tell you this. When they are doing well, people are knowing about it. People are talking about it. Pop culture is talking about it. If they're not talking about your brand, then you got to do something to fix it. And it all starts in-house first. Well said. That's going to do it for this week's 607 TWS. But before we go, Ken M, tell the fine folks one more time how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page with the T Public link, the uh, Patreon link. You can check, uh, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. Also, the directory, which has all our players on there right now. So it makes it so easy to follow and, and definitely don't miss a minute of the content. Parley Points blog, new blogs count anywhere is up right now. So you you definitely want to go check that out and for anything else that is the odph you can find it at odphpodcast.com simply put 3fmpodcast.com social media links are up there so isn't our uh, patreon link our t public link uh directory for music acts including floodlands who does our theme song but also second suitor who does the song that we play in the outro every week one winged angel thank you for to them as well make sure you're following all those great bands because they support us also the local sponsors who help bring the show to you commercial free including the main sponsor that brings you 607 tws Dragon Master Games, all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them online, dragonmastergames.com. Well, Ken M, it's time to leave once again until next week when we come back to talk more pro wrestling action on 607TWS for myself, for Ken M. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later wrestling fans! Japan Rainmaker my heart so
damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at you And I've got a To shatter the hourglass emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for and she can't stop looking Top ropes, one, two.